Hello and welcome to another podcast from BetfairTradingCommunity.com. Got a really interesting subject for you today and I'm going to talk about kind of perception versus reality because there's a couple of really good examples that have happened recently um, that I think really illustrate the point that essentially we need to focus on the reality of what's in front of us rather than the perception of what we're hearing. So one thing I've noticed is that Betfair odds very often, surprisingly, can be influenced by media biases, by what the media are saying about certain teams or certain players in sports. And actually, we need to be able to kind of decipher through that and actually almost push that aside and use our own judgments and eye tests to get an actual perception of, are these value opportunities? Is this team as bad as the media is saying? Is this player as good as the media is saying? Okay, so I'm going to start with talking about tennis here. Um, Now, even if you don't know anything about tennis, you will be able to follow this because the player I'm going to talk about is probably one of the most famous players of all time, and that is Rafael Nadal. Now, He's currently playing in the French Open while I'm uh, recording this. Although once this goes out, he will have already played it. He's won 13 of them, right? He came into this tournament an underdog behind a player named Alcaraz, who has never won a major. Nadal's won 21 of them, right? Who's never won the French Open. Nadal has won 13 of them. How on earth does this happen, right? Now is Nadal, you know, is he past it? Well, let's just check. He won the last Grand Slam in Australia on a surface that actually he's only ever won one other one at. So we can we can maybe say he's he's actually close to peak, if not at his peak of, of the ability he's had. If he's not, then he's certainly close. And there's, there's not really in denying that. Now, okay, we've heard some things about fitness struggles. Well, you know, again, this is my thing about perception versus reality. To to get onto a tennis court and play the way these guys do, if they've got a serious injury, it's not possible. If you watch tennis players play at the elite level, it's such an athletic sport, and they're hitting such small targets with their shots. If you are even half a step slower than normal, you will get destroyed. If Nadal comes out half a step slower against any of the decent players, he will lose. That is the margin of how fine the margin in tennis is. And we've seen Nadal play recently, and he hasn't looked a bad player. He might not have won every single match he's played, and he did lose to Alcaraz recently on clay. But here's what's interesting. When you're talking about a Grand Slam, you're talking about, you know, the daddy of the sport, right? Something that this guy Alcaraz has never won. And everyone's already anointed him as the future king of clay, and he may well be, but he's 19. He's never won the French Open. And yet he came in shorter odds than Nadal. The favourite, I don't know if he started the tournament as a favourite, but when I checked a little while before the tournament, he was the favourite to win it. The favourite. Now, I've talked about Nadal, and I don't think that there's ever been a time where there hasn't been some talk of, oh, well, Nadal might have some injury issues. It's the way he plays, right? It's being able to decipher and dismiss that 
and kind of work out, right, what's the truth and the fiction here? I'll give you a second example of this, just to kind of bang home this point about how ridiculous this assertion that Nadal should have been longer rods than Alcaraz was. Djokovic was also longer rods than Alcaraz. Djokovic, French Open defending champion. The only player other than Soderling, Soderling to beat Nadal at the French Open. Before he decided to boycott some of the slams, he was winning all the slams, right? This has been so easily forgotten. It wasn't that long ago that he was really, really pushing um, to win all the Grand Slams in the calendar year and got close, right? It really wasn't that long ago. So it's crazy, crazy, crazy to me. Again, that Alcaraz was favourite ahead of this guy. Again, it's media perception versus reality. Now what happened? The French Open happened. I was speaking to someone, a tennis trader, uh, before it, saying Alcaraz is a lay here. Easy, easy lay. And I said, this is the thing to think, I think, in these situations where you get someone who's so inexperienced, who's being so overrated by the market, but clearly has a lot of potential. This is the way I look at it. You go, this is a value lay. I think he was below three, right, in odds. This is a value lay. If he wins it, you take it on the chin. It's one of those you just take on the chin and you go, do you know what? It was still a value lay, right? Because we're not just looking at the result and then going, was it value or not? What we're looking at is, should he have been given more than 33% chance of winning a Grand Slam with so many players in the tournament, with Nadal and Djokovic dominating this tournament, especially Nadal, I mean, Jesus, the king of clay, but you will never see a better player on clay than Nadal, no matter how well Alcaraz does. Is he really going to get 13, maybe 14 French Opens? I can't see that. So this is the thing. And then, what I haven't mentioned yet, Alcaraz lost yesterday. Well, what are you probably thinking? Well, I guess he lost to Nadal or Djokovic. No, no. He lost in four sets to Zverev who literally no one was mentioning before the tournament, who's been totally dismissed, which doesn't make a ton of sense either because he has good results. And actually, Zverev and Alcaraz should have been similar odds in the outright market. But if truth be told, Zverev has experienced, maybe he should have been slightly more ahead of Alcaraz in the market, but that's debatable. The thing is, what I've noticed is that people put a lot of stock into what the media is saying. The media anointed Alcaraz as the next French Open champion. Well, he didn't get close. He didn't get close. He got to the quarterfinal, which might sound good, but he had scares against very kind of ordinary um, clay court players, I think. Ramos Vinolas took him the five sets. It wasn't close. And I'm now talking, the semi-finals haven't even happened. But if you'd laid at that price, your money's in. Okay? So that's one example. Now what I'm going to move on to is football. And another, kind of another two, uh, two tips that I gave out on these podcasts. And I've spoken to members about. 
that did really well. Because people say to me, mine, how do you keep doing so well on the outrights? What is it you do? I said, well, just look at reality versus perception. And I'm very good, I feel, at removing a lot of the stuff I've heard from the media and actually using the eye test, seeing what's in front of me. Real Madrid, Champions League, right? At the semi-final stage, we're trading at 9-1+. to one plus. At the semi-final... Real Madrid won the most tournaments in history by miles. This is similar to, you know, Nadal at Roland Garros levels. Yet they were so unfancied. And then the first leg happened. And this is really interesting against Man City. 2-1, they lost away. I'm thinking that's actually not a bad result, right? If you think that Man City are that much better than Real Madrid, you know what? That's a hell of a result for Real Madrid. And when they go back to Madrid, there's a really good chance they can win that game, right? Their odds went out to 10-1. to Now... This is a value play in every sense of the word. And this isn't after timing. The reason I'm talking about these two instances I'm about to talk about today is because I have mentioned them before they actually happened, which is good, right? Um, I've done it on the podcast. I've even done it on the forum. I've, I've texted people as well. I can, you know, I can send you the evidence if you wish, <laughs> right? But the interesting thing is I'm not even that bothered about the fact that I was right in this instance. I'm more interested in analysing the actual, actually what happened and, and kind of understanding it. So the media hyped and hyped and hyped Manchester City. But there were, there were worrying signs there already. Firstly, they'd let quite a big lead slip in the league for Liverpool, right? They'd lost some games and drawn some games that you really wouldn't have expected them to against worse teams than Real Madrid. So it wasn't inconceivable that Real Madrid... Could do something the other thing was people were talking about Real Madrid as if they were the worst you know the worst Real Madrid team in history they've just won their league at a canter right now okay La Liga isn't as competitive as the Premier League but it's still a decent league they won it at a canter this was never going to be a roll over and die situation and actually, the fact that Madrid had this miracle towards the end of injury time to qualify against Man City. Some people say it's luck. I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't think that's luck. I think when you win a football match that way, you win a football match. And the fact is, actually, if you watch the game, again, remove the bias that you hear left, right and centre and actually watch the game. If, if you get the chance, go back and do this. Real Madrid had some really good chances what they were doing on the counter-attack, they probably could have scored a couple of goals in the same way that Man City could have scored another goal. right? But this was close. And yet one team was trading close to evens to win the Champions League. The other one was trading at 10-1. to 1. Now, this isn't a great play if the two teams are the same odds. If Man City and Real Madrid were the same odds, I'd say, OK, this isn't a great play. Real Madrid, I do think Man City is a better team. But it's value play. This is what I think is, is really where some people struggle when they bet on things in general looking for value and bet on the outright markets is that they're not, they, they can't get their head around just looking for the value rather than looking for who you think will win. You know, if you said to me, right, 
Man City or Real Madrid, who would win a one-off game? I'd pick Man City. But what odds are you giving me? You know, I'm not interested if, if Man City are short odds. And again, that was the situation here. And Real Madrid were actually huge value. And they went on to win the Champions League. I did have um, some money on them in the final. I think when they'd kind of... Liverpool had had all this pressure and hadn't scored. You just got the feeling Real were going to hit on the counter. Because how many... I've seen so many games where that happens. You know, if a team is really putting the pressure on, and after 20, 25 minutes, chance of they still haven't scored, when they're playing another team of similar stature, the other team does generally tend to get back into the game a bit. Um, and, you know, you can point to things like Courtois being amazing and all this other stuff. But the reality is, that's a 10 to 1 shot. You're not going to get a 10 to 1 shot that steamrolls in. And wins 5-6-0. But the thing is, when you find a value situation, you will get one that wins. What odds would I have had Real Madrid at the semi-final stage? 3-4-1? Seriously, think about it. What odds would you have given? Looking back on it now, what odds would you have given? Because 10-1 was ludicrous. It was absolutely ludicrous. The second example I'm going to use for this. AC Milan. Now I know this is this is probably my favourite one because this is the one I mentioned loads. I kind of hammered this one home, and I know loads of you guys got on this at five to one. On well done. I know that you some of you have sent me some screenshots. You made a lot of money. Brilliant work, guys. Right? Because it's easy for me to sit here and give you advice. It's not easy for you guys to take it. So look into it yourself and agree. Actually, that's good advice, and I'm going to get on this. So AC Milan, 5-1 to one to win the Serie A. I actually tipped them alongside um, Juventus a few weeks ago. And bear in mind, I'm not just guessing at the start of the season. We haven't seen anyone play. I've watched a lot of football in the Serie A. And I could see, A, Juventus were coming back into it. Most importantly, Inter Milan was struggling like crazy. AC Milan actually looked like they were they had a good chance of winning it and they were five to one. I could not understand that price. Um until well odds on, which again I could not understand that price. And Juventus I think I think they were close to twenty to one when I tipped. So that was a, a small bet one. And they did they did get close. And the thing is if if um AC Milan and Inter hadn't kind of won their last few games, both of them, Juventus would have been really close and uh, Juventus did close the gap just not enough it was too big a gap um, but 5-1 to one winner right well what happened how did we get to the situation where a team like AC Milan was being so underrated by the market it's media perception I, I, I kept hearing over and over from the media about how this Inter Milan team was doing better than the Conte team and then I watched the games and I was thinking, hang on, I think some of this is just wishful thinking. Like, Inter Milan were nowhere near as good in the games I was watching as they were with Conte. Um, so I was just kind of thinking, what is it that drives these these impressions? And what it is, is that a few people get an idea about something, they keep perpetuating that, and the media obviously has a lot of influence. So if the media are the ones that are doing that, then that is what tends to happen. Okay? So it's really interesting, isn't it?
that this stuff can happen and you can get this big value because of the media perception. AC Milan, no mugs, got a lot of history. Spent some money, got a good squad. This is not a Leicester situation. You know, they should not be that big odds with hardly any time in a season ago and actually having an advantage over into Milan at that point. It makes no sense. So think about that, guys. Take away your perception. Take away what you're hearing in the media and look at it for yourself. That's what's really important here. Look at it for yourself and go, is that what I'm seeing? Does what I'm seeing match up with what I'm being told? Don't let what you're being told influence you. Let you influence what you're being told. So if you're being told Man City are going to you know, whitewash everyone 5-6-0, watch the games. Man City's defence never looked that great to me. I'm not. I'm still not convinced about John Stones. Is, are, genuinely, are any of you dead convinced about John Stones? I'm not convinced about Cancelo as a defender. I'm not. I'm not convinced about Kyle Walker going forward. So I think you've kind of got a juxtaposition there, where you've got one wing back who can really go forward and do amazing things, but not really great on the defensive side. Then you've got one who's brilliant on the defensive side but doesn't seem to offer anything going forward. And it's it's a kind of counterbalance that doesn't really seem to work at times. Now, sure, they could have gone on to win that game and etc. etc. I think Haaland and this Alvarez, is it Alvarez? I don't know, this new guy they signed from Argentina anyway, they look like amazing signings. So it will be an interesting season coming up. I'm looking forward to digging into some more outrights. I love doing my outrights. If I see anything that kind of shines bright value, um, I'll call it out. Well done as well. Just one last mention on the Eurovision. I know a lot of you guys followed my Ukraine tip there. Um, I had quite a lot of money on that in the end. It was a nice, nice profit. Uh, a bit a bit of a sweat in the end, but you could just see it, couldn't you? Like, no, you just look such a dick if Ukraine didn't win Eurovision and... They did win it in the end. Um, and I think the competition made sure they did everything they could to win it, as we kind of expected, right? Um, UK coming second. I didn't see that, though. Uh, I didn't get involved. Some people were saying, oh, you should lay the UK. My issue there was the odds were quite high already. You're talking about nine to one. And then you're also talking about people laying in the second place, third place market. Well, then you kind of get into how well do you know this competition? You know, the Ukraine tip was built on something that we could see was going to happen. The world was getting behind Ukraine. With the other acts, for me, it was much more of a juggling act. And I didn't know enough about it to be comfortable doing anything else. That So I'm happy with that. It's been a really good year on the outrights, guys. Now, I'm really looking forward to plugging in some more next season. Have a great week. And most importantly, make sure you make some money on Betfair.